Welcome to Let's Talk Micro. Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Micro. As always, I hope you had a good week. Remember that Let's Talk Micro is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Overcast, TuneIn Radio, Pandora, GoodPods. Wherever you listen to your podcasts, you can find Let's Talk Micro. I am on Instagram as Let's Talk Micro, no apostrophe, and on Twitter as Let's Talk Micro 1. So go ahead and follow, leave feedback, any podcast you know, topic suggestions. They are always welcome and appreciated. And on my social platforms, I always like to post pictures of organisms and give updates as to when the next episode is coming out. So I always, before I start with the new episode, I always like to talk a little bit about the previous episode. Before I do that, I want to remind you that there's a special episode on monkeypox with Dr. Rodney Rohde from Texas State University. So go ahead and check it out. A lot of good information. Sometimes, you know, we get a little lost with all the information out there. Dr. Rohde is very experienced. He is a microbiologist. And he puts all the information that we need to know in a manner that's easy to understand. And, you know, very informative, very educational. So if you haven't checked out that episode, go ahead and do so. It is episode 48, Talking Monkeypox with Dr. Rodney Rohde. And if you haven't checked out the previous episode of Let's Talk Micro, go ahead and do so. It is about Streptococcus anginosus group. So I continue going over beta-hemolytic strep, and this time it was Streptococcus anginosus group, which is composed of three members, Streptococcus anginosus, Streptococcus intermedius, and Streptococcus constellatus. So in this episode, I go over the hemolysis because, you know, this group actually can have all three types of hemolysis, alpha, beta, gamma. I go over biochemical results. I go over which species, you know, tend to be more on the beta-hemolytic form than others. You know, what diseases they cause, you know, they are seen on, what kind of testing to do for them. So it is a good episode, so go ahead and check it out. And that's episode 49. Streptococcus anginosus. On today's episode, we have a great interview. So, as always, as you've seen as part of this podcast, you know the format. I like to bring guests that either they have published works in microbiology or they are doing great things for medical laboratory sciences. So today's guest is very experienced and has done a lot of has made a lot of contributions to laboratory medicine. He is a professor of lab medicine at the University of California, San Francisco, and he's also a cocoa lab director at a hospital in San Francisco. He has published, but what makes his guests stand out from others is that he, he has authored some books about laboratory stories. So something a little bit different from your regular textbooks about clinical chemistry, blood banking, microbiology, etc. So he has published a series of books that are about laboratory stories. And what made me, you know, this was very interesting, of course. But then I saw an article that he is getting ready to make a show about laboratory medicine. So listen to this interview. Dr. Alan Wu, you know, he's very passionate about laboratory medicine. He wants to bring more awareness about what we do. So this is his approach to it. And of course, he says, you know, he has contributed 
by publishing and textbooks. But this, you know, this is his passion and he wants to work on this television show. So this is a very novel idea. We do have a lot of medicine shows, but really not about the laboratory. So let's go ahead and check out this interview. So on today's episode, we have a guest that's very active in many ways in laboratory medicine. He has made many contributions and his name is uh, Dr. Alan Wu. So Dr. Wu, welcome to Let's Talk Micro. Uh, thank you, Louis, for having me on your podcast. My pleasure. So let's go ahead and start with an introduction at, and what kind of work do you do? So I am a professor of laboratory medicine at the University of California in San Francisco and co-core lab director at the Zuckerberg San Francisco General Hospital. I've been in the field for 40 years. In addition to clinical service, I teach clinical lab scientists students, lab medicine residents, clinical chemistry fellows, and I have an active translational research program. Um, so I see that as I was looking at your profile, I see that you have many publications, among them six books consisting of short stories about laboratory medicine. Can you tell the audience more about these books? These are collections of short stories within the lab disciplines of chemistry, toxicology, microbiology, molecular diagnostics, and immunology. They are written at the level of the lay public and are based on real medical cases. Okay. Yes. And I was actually, I, I, I've been reading one of them, the one that's uh, titled Microbiology, of course, because of what you don't know will kill you. And I'm just getting through it. And it's really very interesting. I like two stories about uh, the one about pipetting, which I kind of, before we got to that point, I kind of figured out that that was going to be, you know, what the person was doing. And also about uh, the one about Gaston and the group A strip. So definitely, you know, it resonated with me as a medical laboratory scientist. When I was going through school, I heard about people before doing, you know, mouth pipetting years ago. And, you know, I heard stories, of course, you know, that's something that's not done um, and it shouldn't definitely. So I'm, I'm definitely enjoying uh, this book. Well, thank you. I have a question as I was reading them, because I know like it says, you know, um, sometimes is the person that, you know, for example, when they're describing a character, they say, so this person got here, let's say when I was, the supervisor of this, is that person you or the, the, or the narrator is a, is a character as well? Yes, it is roughly based on me, but um, it is uh, somewhat fictionalized, um, sort of like what Hollywood does. They expand roles of individuals that might have uh, been spread over several individuals. So, uh, I mean, they're the kinds of things that a lab director would be involved with not necessarily me. I'm actually not the microbiology chief, yet I write stories on medical microbiology because they're all part of the clinical lab um, genre. So yeah, something definitely uh, different from what I've seen out there. I mean, I always see many textbooks, of course, about clinical laboratory sciences, and but seeing this you know, in a, in a book format like this, it, it makes for a very interesting read. And for the audience out there, um, so basically, all they have to do is just like 
in any search engine or search for your name and books and they will find them. It was very easy. That's how I found them. So if you're out there and you want to read a book and see laboratory medicine being represented in a, in a different way, like, you know, like kind of like a fiction style, um, go ahead and check them out. I definitely recommend them. Well, thank you very much for that plug. I appreciate it. You're welcome, sir. So regarding the books, what led you to write them and what, what do you hope to achieve with them? Well, as lab directors, we are all exposed to interesting and fascinating medical cases. I took the initiative to write about these cases, keeping the lab science information accurate while fictionalizing patient medical and social histories for HIPAA compliance purposes. Okay. So now that, um, as I was reading, you know, another article, which is the one that brought me forward to extend the invitation was that I, I saw an article that said lab director and author to create TV series highlighting on some heroes of the medical field. So what can you tell the audience about this prospective TV show and what is the goal? Ideally, I want a scripted dramatic program that centers around a clinical lab director whose staff uses science to solve medical problems and avoid errors. The model is the TV show Crime Scene Investigation, where science is used to solve crime. Prior to CSI, all crime shows featured police. Today, all medical shows are centered around doctors. I wanna change that narrative to highlight the essential work that we all do. Remember, 70% of all medical decisions are based on the result of a clinical laboratory test. And yet, most doctors and, and uh, individuals in the public don't really understand the effort it takes for us to generate a quality result. They, they think that you can send a sample to the lab, someone plugs it into a black box, and you get an instant answer, and that's all there is to it. And we're looking to show that there is so much more involved and that when you don't pay attention, that bad things can happen. Okay. Um, yes, and definitely, there, there's definitely a lack of, there's some unawareness about what we do. And we as laboratorians, we definitely deal with that, with the lack of understanding. And sometimes, you know, we get the phone calls. And of course, you know, there are many healthcare providers that they're very understanding and but sometimes, you know, the frustration about what happened, why can you run this test or what's taking so long or why can you use this tube or why isn't it enough? So definitely there's not a lot of, yeah, there seems to be unawareness about what we do. And like you said about the TV shows, yes, I have definitely, I have watched a lot of television. I have seen medical shows. And like you said, you know, they are about doctors, you know, one of them, like, you know, ER, which ran for a very long time. and there is definitely a lack of representation on the lab. Um, so when, when I saw this, it came to mind that, for example, in that particular show, they said that they mentioned the lab once and it was about, they were waiting for a, a gram stain result. And they told the doctor, go ahead and watch them do the gram stain because they like to lose things around there. So that's all they feature about us. And then there was another show called Scrubs where they actually, um, yeah, they presented the text sometimes, you know, like someone like very moody, well, little they show of him. 
And then there was also this episode about where one of the nurses had an urine that she found in the trash and it wasn't labeled. So she spends basically the whole episode trying to find out who it belongs to. So definitely, yes, there's not representation out there. So I think this is a, a great effort on your part and I thank you for it. So about the show, is it a limited series or are you maybe hoping to sustain it for a prolonged period of time? CSI, the show, Crime Scene Investigation, was exceptionally successful with hundreds of episodes and several spin-offs. Within my books, I have published over 150 short stories that can be crafted into episodes. If this is done right, I believe we can have a prolonged series. Due, the, due to the pandemic, everyone now knows uh, and talks about COVID testing. Where can I get it? What does it mean? Why does it take so long? So the time is ripe right now. And there are many more studio outlets today. And they're all looking for unique content. I believe that my idea is uh, unlike any television show that's being aired today. Yes, definitely. You mentioned CSI and I was definitely, I watched the regular one and some of the spin-offs as well. So yeah, it definitely rang for a long period of time. And like you said, yeah, especially now, you know, with, with COVID and all the situations that we have gone through in the lab, it is, it is a good time for a show. And also to another point that you mentioned, uh, nowadays, you know, there's so many streaming platforms. So it is possible to maybe, you know, might have years ago, might have been a little more difficult to get a project out there. But now there are many outlets. So if one doesn't take it, maybe another source, there's definitely more opportunities out there. So I know I will definitely watch it when it airs. Can you tell us maybe anything about in what stage it is right now or? Well, um, I have uh, written a pilot script and it's being reviewed by professional screenwriters. Um, you have seen the result of a publicist that uh, I hired to promote the idea to get uh, um, the concept out to uh, Hollywood executives. Um, I'm putting together more content as we speak. I am considering putting together my own podcast series to sort of promote the idea. Um, <clears throat> you know, if we don't act now, then we are going to get run over by CMS. So just prior to the pandemic, the first round of pod PAMA budget cuts took place, which resulted in a 20% cut in laboratory reimbursements for outpatient services. There's another round of cut that's being planned uh, in the ensuing months and years to come. And if this continues, we will not have the funding to do the kinds of things that we need to do to keep our lab current, to keep our testing accurate, to be able to train next generation laboratorians, to deliver the quality of services that we as a nation deserve to have. So I'm entering my senior years and I have every hope that the medical services and clinical laboratory services 
that I will need will be there for me. And I am not optimistic that that will be the case. Because if we continue to undergo budget cuts, then that has a trickling effect all the way down the pipeline. We can't get uh, companies to produce products. Researchers can't develop new tests. Doctors are not going to be able to update what they're doing. And it's going to affect our medical care slowly, but no doubt it will have an impact. And this is not what anybody wants today. No, definitely not. I mean, it's just something sometimes, you know, as being you know, proper training and staffing and lack of supplies, it makes it difficult for us in the lab to, you know, produce quality results. And there have been some, you know, a couple of years that have been very challenging for us. And, you know, we have worked very hard. Um, is there anything else that you might want to add? Well, um, <clears throat> I can give you a little bit of insight as to how I'm going to construct my series. So in order to create a compelling show that people, not medical professionals, but the lay public will want to watch, I need to have recurring characters. So the main protagonists are in fact, lab directors and section chiefs like myself, along with the staff that work with us. I have also created a recurring antagonist. I have a tech who works in my workplace drug testing lab, whose family is killed by a drug impaired bus driver who cheated on his drug tests. Disillusioned, this tech turns bad and forms a company to make performance enhancing drugs and therefore causing more medical maladies and drug testing adulteration products, allowing other people to cheat. So there's going to be a debate or going to be a confrontation between the people who are trying to do good and the people who are trying to benefit from the system. I'm hoping that that will be compelling drama that will entice people to tune in every week. I mean, definitely, yeah. Sounds compelling to me, but yeah, I work in the field, so I will definitely, like I said earlier, I will be watching when it comes out. Sounds definitely very interesting. Um, like I always like to say on this podcast, you know, I'm always uh, a fan, and I thank those out there that you know use their their knowledge, their positions um, to further laboratory medicine, either bringing awareness, you know, advocating for better things for us. So I definitely want to thank you for what you're doing. It's definitely, like I said, something very interesting and a little bit different, you know, with the books on the show, but definitely it will bring more awareness to what we do. And of course, you know, good luck with your podcast. If you do end up creating that and if you need to, you know, you're more than welcome to come back here. If you need to use this platform also, when you create that podcast to promote it and give it more awareness. So Dr. Wu, I want to thank you for taking the time to coming to Let's Talk Micro. And again, I uh, thank you for having me on. And uh, I hope that uh, your listeners will find value in our discussion today. Thank you, sir. And like I said earlier, just all you have to do if you're, if you're curious about checking the books, you know, very easy. Google, um, there's a very popular place where you search for stuff and buy stuff online 
um, you can go ahead and use that platform and check for it or any others, but it's a very easy find. Um, so thank you. I, I do have one other yes. uh, comment, perhaps an invitation. Uh, prior to the pandemic, I have uh, toured uh, the country as well as uh, internationally giving presentations on the need to promote the value of clinical laboratory testing. Now that the pandemic seems to be uh, settling down a little bit, we're not seeing nearly the number of uh, deaths and uh, critical care patients. C country is definitely opening it up. Uh, I would like to continue to, uh, to meet with groups uh, and to give a presentation on the things that I'm trying to do. The uh, lectures have always been very uh, dynamic and exciting for people to hear because like you said, it's not uh, the usual lectures that we get on, on the technology and the medicine of our practice. Those are obviously very important and, and I contributed to those for 35 years, but you can tell from my voice that my passion is this, that I believe that if we do not act and that this television show is going to be the best way for us to promote our agenda. This is an agenda for all of us, that if we don't do this and we're not successful, then things are going to be very different and not in a good way. So I, I welcome anybody who, you know, a national group or even a, a local group who are in need of a speaker, um, I'm willing to travel. Okay. Yeah. So there you have it out there, audience. And, and definitely a very, you're very reachable also. I mean, when I extended the invitation for here, I think within no time at all, you had already responded. So definitely all you have to do is just, you know, if you want to contact Dr. Wu, um, you go ahead and, you know, you can, if you want to, do, do you want to give a, an, an email address or a place where they can contact you to make it easier? Absolutely. Email address is Simple, Alan, A-L-A-N dot W-U, woo, at UCSF dot E-D-U. I'm welcome to hear from any and all of you. All right. So there you have it, audience. You know, um, Alan Wu at UCSF dot E-D-U. All right. So once again, thank you, Dr. Wu. Thank you. And that, my dear audience, it's the end of this episode. I hope you enjoyed listening to Dr. Wu's interview. I enjoy conducting it. I think this is a great initiative, you know, something really interesting. So many streaming platforms out there. We can, you know, so many opportunities to get more projects out there. And a show about the lab. I mean, those of us in laboratory medicine, I mean, we see CSI, ER, other shows. And the lab is never represented. So this sounds very interesting. And like I said on the interview, I'm definitely going to watch it. As always, stay motivated. Continue bringing that passion to what you do. It's so important. Stay safe. And of course, continue talking micro. Until the next time. Bye.